And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow, till we die. I'm Ian Tony Morris. And I'm Simon Sainsbury. And welcome to and 2020. Happy yes, yes, Happy New Year. Welcome, dear listeners, or listener. We hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. Yeah, and the good news is that we're not dead yet. Indeed. But it did look a bit iffy, didn't it? By January the 3rd... Trump and his happy-go-lucky trigger finger and your predator drone had caused all manner of Iran-related mayhem. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, um, and, and it's such an awful thing that it was, you know, timed to coincide with all of the stuff about impeachment. But, um, I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Coincidence, I guess. Of yeah. course. Um, so yes, um, but it, I don't know. I'm, see, I'm kind of seeing a bit of a a bit of a theme here. If you've noticed in any of his other interactions with foreign leaders, he goes in with a loud, larry insult and gets all goes all basically shouting, makes it sound like he's spoiling for a fight at the beginning. And that actually scares them enough to actually do something. So I wonder, actually, shamefully, is that is this actually a tactic that works with the likes of? North Korea and Iran. Well, it could be. I mean, there's there is there is little more shouty in the case of your, is it General Suleiman? Yeah, um, um hang on, hang on. Uh, General um, Qasem Soleimani. Soleimani. Yeah. There is little more shouty than sticking a drone strike in somebody's ear. That tends to, that, that's that's about as shouty as it gets. Well, it is going to spoil their day. Yeah, indeed. Now, interestingly, a number of. Now, almost all politicians have agreed agreed at the time that there was very few tears to be shed for the man, as he was, he was very much, you know, orchestrating a lot of the militias and uh, a lot of proxy wars across the Middle East. So there were very few tears shed for him. But the worry was, where do we go next? And as we sit here today on January the thirteenth, yep. unlucky for some. Well, good news is ten days on, and we're not all dead yet. Iran beat their chests a bit and fired some missiles at the. Um, at a couple of US bases in the region. From what I understand, were mostly deserted. Well, what, what seems to be interesting about that is that I heard reported that, well, the Americans, well, Trump in his usual triumphalist manner said, basically, everything's okay, no one got hurt. Um, or words to that effect. Yep. Um, but what are, the Iranians reported on their TV was that, um, that was that 80 Americans had been killed. Which, of course, in the days of fake news, and they would, wouldn't they? They would. And then, as everything was boiling, uh, heading towards a crescendo, Iran then had to say, oh, terribly sorry, um, oops, we appear to have accidentally shot down a 737, uh, mistaking it for a drone. Yeah, it's... um, It, it was an interesting climb down on Iran's part to admit that they shot down the plane accidentally. Um, because obviously there was a struggle in the regime for them to not want to have to admit mm. to that. But the, and obviously that's a, it's a horrific thing for all of the people that were on that plane. Yep, and, and for their families to, yep. um, to, to, lose their, to lose their loved ones like that. It's, but these things can easily get so out of control, which is why it's rather, I still think it's a rather reckless thing, let alone it being wrong for the Americans to on whatever evidence they say they've got to suddenly decide that they're going to be judge, jury, executioner and out this and basically get rid of this guy and whoever happened to be with him at the time 
Um, well, it's, an, it's interesting the Iraqis have responded by saying, get out. Yes. To which the Americans have said, no, I don't think we will. But that's not a... You know, if you're... You're right. Are you an occupying force, as the as you know, as the uh, as the likes of the Taliban or Al Qaeda or Daesh would would try to claim that the Americans are an occupying force in Iraq, or are you there at the request of the legitimate Iraqi government? The truth is, is that whenever we get involved in, you know, history tells us that whenever we get involved in someone else's country, we cock it up really royally. Well I think that there is an element within the Middle East and again I, I, because when it happened I thought well I better go and have a read on this mm -hmm. and, and and when you try and unpick who's allies with who and who's enemies with who you just sat there scratching thinking I, I've no idea who to root for here because Iran are the bad guys we all agree on that yes we do but Iran controls some of the militias that are in Iraq Right, that's okay, mm -hmm. and those militias are fighting against ISIS and Daesh in mm. Syria. Yes. Well, hang about, they're the bad guys. Yes. So we've now got the bad guys who are supporting the guys who aren't as bad as the bad guys fighting the bad guys who are badder than Syria, who are perhaps more bad than Iraq but not as bad as Iran. And in the end, I just I, I closed the article on my. And thought, do you know what? Uh, in, and again, I am no international diplomat, and neither are you. But I think if you can't work out who's your enemy and who's your friend, probably best leave well alone. I would say. Well, yeah, but unfortunately, we we kind of are where we are in those sorts of situations. But yeah. Um, but the good news, like you're going to say, not going to shed any. You know, he yeah. he, he was. He, you know, he was not he, a good he, man. He was he was not a good man, but I I I don't I, I don't agree with the um with, with basically the Americans appointing themselves the right to be able to execute him without without any due process and indeed that by which kill all of the people that were around him or with it with him at the time in, in another country without you know without that country's. Um, Without that country say so. I mean, we weren't happy when um, the Russians um, attempted to kill someone in our country. No, no, no. I so, you know. yeah, no, I absolutely see hot bed of potential yes. disastrousness. Let us hope, as we sit here on January the thirteenth, that everybody's just calmed down a bit, and uh, we can we can see how this one unfolds. Yes. Hopefully it plays out. If you're listening to this from an extracted recording from whatever's left of the internet in the glowing radioactive remains of the planet, yeah, then they didn't work yeah, out so no, well. We, so we we're got, sorry about that. We, we got this one wrong. Um, this wrong. Yeah. I mean, it would be one way of dealing with global warming, but I don't think it's a very no. good way. Shall we play a game? Joshua. How about tic-tac-toe? Shall we play a game? <laughs> Let's play... Global thermonuclear war. It's uh, not because it's not a game. No, it's not big. It's not clever. It's just mad. Yeah. As I said. Exactly that. Yes. Right. Ne another brew. Yes. Next topic. Next topic. Right. And we're back. So. Hot brew in hand. The Hot great, brew in hand. The great leadership race for the. 
successor to oh Jeremy Corbyn, and uh, yeah. the, the the it's just closed. Who's made it onto the ballot paper, Simon? Let's have a kick about to what we reckon. So we must love leadership to, um, oh, we've had contests. A few, we? we love a bit of leadership contests because yeah. we've we've had what in the last in the last six months we've had really? one Tory one, one late one Liberal Democrat one. We're about to have a Labour, Labour one, one, and then we're going to have another Liberal Democrat one. Yeah. So in the in the in oh, the, well, Labour... the SNP one. Hmm? Oh no, there isn't one of them. But a man dares to dream. Look, you can't, you can't look. Nicola, Nicola Sturgeon does what Nicola Sturgeon does really, really well. Yeah, yeah she does. Um, Who's so, made it? So, who has made it to pot pickers to the final five? I was down to five. Somebody didn't make the it. The final five, the Fab Five. Who fell by the wayside? So, um, Clive Lewis. There's been a murder, Lewis. And for me, in the style of Inspector Morse, the murder. So, why are you kind of transposing? Inspector Morse's catch line, wasn't it? No, yeah, but the Marta was was Taggart, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. So well, you've what? kind of gone I've from not... like Oxfordshire to Scotland. Okay, there's been a murder, Lewis. Um, and <laughs> I think the murder of his own campaign was he was doing all right, and then he said, "Yeah, what about if we scrap the monarchy then?" Ooh. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's so not really popular. So call me Clive Lewis has left. He left the building. Didn't um. Didn't uh, Barry Gardner have a bit of a, um, a flirtation with trying to join the fray? I think he did, but I think everybody told him he was ghastly, so he chose not to. Well, so so anyway, so the five the five that um, the, the the five excellent candidates that the Labour Party are left with are Sir Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long Bailey, Lisa Nandy, Jess Phillips, and Emily Thornbury. So. Mm. So interesting from a point of view of if Labour feel that now is the right time that they should be um, selecting a female leader. Yeah, well, there are choices there. Mm. So Emily Thornbury, I think she got over the line with fully 10 minutes to spare. Yes, a whole 10 minutes left. Um, And I kind of... She's a bit beige, isn't she? Um, I... I, I, I don't know. I mean, see, Emily t- tends to be quite happy, seems to be quite happy in the times that I've watched her on Question Time or listened to her on the radio and stuff. And she seems to be quite happy to say things that aren't popular. Yep. Um, which sometimes means that that's the wrong thing to say at that time. But sometimes, actually, do you know what? There's a bit of me that has to give grudging respect to politicians that are willing to say things that are unpopular because, unfortunately, some of the things that we have to face as a, as a country and as a planet are going to be unpopular and mm. are going to require unpopular um, solutions because you know we we don't live in a paradise where everything's really easy. Yeah. So oh, there's, yeah. there's a bit of that, but um, I, do, I, I don't wonder, know. I wonder though if you only make it with ten minutes to spare, you've got to get a big change in. I was going to use the word momentum there, but a big change in the bat in order to get you up the up the list. Now, I don't think she was definitely a um, a fully signed on fan of Corbyn, though, was she? I don't think. No, but she was again. I think the other thing that challenges her, and I saw her challenge that you know, is it really time for Labour to be led by another Islington MP? And her her well, actually, I'd like to point out that I originally came from Guildford. That helps. Quite appealing to the Northern Heartland. So we'll dismiss her out of hand. Now, I've got fairly moderate Labour chums, and uh, my mate, Matt Cooper, who is, you know, is, is afflicted with Labourness, 
and others have said Lisa Nandy for although she doesn't seem to be kind of got a great deal kind of of energy going for her she does seem to play well with regular party members um yeah see again it's this interesting dynamic of are Labour going to try to do what they did so thinking back a couple of leaders ago when they decided on the wrong Miliband because they didn't want someone that was as polished a performer as Blair mm. or was you know, someone that was perceived to be the heir to Blair. So they went for someone completely different in i.e. and uh, settled for Ed Miliband in, instead of instead of his brother, David Miliband. Yep. Um and then lost apparently because he doesn't know how to eat a bacon sandwich. Um I'm never quite sure what went wrong with the bacon sandwich from a from a visual perspective. I mean, what do you do? Do you stuff it in his eye? Or? Well, I, 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 at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm sure that if you took a photo at, if you took a succession of photos of anybody eating a bacon sandwich, especially if they were quite hungry, what it you, wouldn't look pretty anyway. But what did you do with it? That's what I can't. But he, he was just eating it. But I think I, I, I mean, I, I can't be bothered to, no, to think, get the image up. No, no, but, no. It's, but so, so the interesting was, it seemed to be that at that time, that the Labour Party decided that they definitely didn't want to have anyone that was connected to or could be perceived as Blair Light or like mm. Blair, so therefore went for Ed. And when Ed didn't work because he was perceived supposedly by the public to be too left wing, they then went double down. They went they then doubled down and went for Jeremy Corbyn because he was the person that they that nobody expected to actually win. So um, he was kind of allowed to enter the or didn't they? Oh, I forget I who it was. I they, think they fixed that. They, they said, "Well, we better have a proper they, left." Yeah, let's have have so, so there's proper consideration so that we can prove that there isn't any any um, momentum aha behind that person. So the question is now: is do mm. the Labour Party collectively feel that they want to break with Corbynism, or that they want to continue it? Do they want a Corbyn continuum continuity uh, continuity continuity Corbyn yeah. candidate? Yeah, oh, ha. Well, that's a three-seed disaster. Well, I guess in that case, if that's what they want, then they want the absolutely abominable, shrew-faced witch pig that is Rebecca Long-Bailey. Now, I have to clear my hand here, Simon. I'm not a fan. Really? Um, well, I, I, there was a subtle kind of hint. I mean, you, you don't, you know, let's, yeah, how, how do you let's talk how do you policy think? or personality rather than kind oh, okay. of attacking how, remarks how do about think, looks. How do, well, I've no idea what she looks like. A true-faced witch pig is not necessarily a looks thing. It is a suggestion that she is, um, even though she has been described by one columnist I saw as the love child of the Roswell alien and Mrs. Merton, which I thought was particularly spiteful. Um, but it, here we go. So uh, policy-wise, how would you rate Jeremy Corden's leadership? 10 out of 10, she said. And that's why I think they suggested that she was a creature from another planet. Um, continuation of Corbynism. I guess I should dislike her, but frankly, as a Conservative, if she wins, blow the vuvuzela, we're in office for at least another 10 years. So, so Which, to be fair, short of some sort of mitigating disaster, you probably are, sadly. Well, yes. I mean, unless, the, unless, of course, the Conservatives completely stuff no, it up, well, there is the, which look, is also possible. You know, we, uh, the, uh, we'll use the B word, we don't often, but for the Brexit position, if it does go hideously wrong, and we desperately hope that it doesn't, unless you are of the most spiteful nature, which I don't think many people are, then ultimately to come back from that heavier defeat in one parliament, very unlikely. 
Um, Jess Phillips. Now, I've never had much time for Jess Phillips. I've always thought of her as just one of those really shouty people who just shouts a lot about everything being rubbish and somebody else ought to sort that out. But I saw her on the Sunday Politics show. I thought she came across very well. Tried to get that balanced line. I'm not... I don't know whether at this point shouting in a loud voice, I'm a rejoiner. Um, I'm not sure that is particularly what Labour should You wouldn't want it to be... I mean, it, it's one thing to... I mean, certainly, I haven't changed my mind about whether I think that being in Europe or out of Europe is the is the better place to be. Yep. But at the end of the day, the, the die is cast, isn't it? So there's but there's a difference between hiding that that is your view and it making basically it being a headline issue for you, it being a headline policy. So there's a I, I don't know. There's a there's a weird thing, isn't it, about because the, the the media will constantly try to find whatever is a divisive thing mm. to attach to you. But the truth is that, in reality, most um, leaders, definitely, if not if not all politicians, will have some views on things that they won't necessarily hide. But it would be prudent for them not to put that not, front and not to put that front and centre. So I don't know. If I'm honest, I I saw her when she was trying to deal with the issues at the school protests in Birmingham. And she met with some parents, and she was having a, um, a um, what could be described as, a, as an emotional conversation on, on their part from a from from one of the parents. I I liked to, from a from a libertarian point of view. I liked actually her response to the words, which were words to the effect of, "But how can I defend your rights if?" I'm not defending, you know, their right, and by their she means um, the, the LGBT community, yeah. um, their rights. So at the same, t you know, at the end of the day, I think there's a there's an honesty yep. in in saying to someone's face the thing that they don't, you know, because it's really easy when someone's attacking you or someone's actually being quite energised to say what they want to hear. That's really actually that's really easy. But all to hide in a fridge. Um, or you could go hide in a fridge. I mean, I wasn't going to bring that up, yeah, but you know, yeah. so um, maybe someone tactic. just told him to chill. Valid tactic. So, um, but at the end of the day, the, the truth is, is that if you, if you, if you want to be a politician, the easy thing to do is, of course, to tell people what they want to hear all the time. Yeah. But who are you representing if you do that? At the end of the day, you've got to be true to who and what you believe. Um, and the sort of person that you are, and sometimes that means that you you agree to disagree with people. Mm. No, um, I, and so, I guess we've got to touch on. Don't call me sir, Keir Starmer, who is yeah. Uh, for me, again, he he looks the he looks the most centrist candidate. Uh, last interview I saw with him, he was doing the oh yeah, but Jeremy had it right and austerity and 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 investment and um, so there was a little try and nod to the left as well. Um, I, I, I think he's too connected with um, fighting Corbyn's office about their their position on Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that um, see, interestingly enough, later to, to me, Labour's position about Brexit was there. There were you. You could argue that there's a there's a point to be made at okay. Let's you know we don't agree with how the Tories have run it. Um, we'd do our own thing and then put that back to the people. You can see that there's a you can see there's a course of action in there, um, but three years on from the original vote wasn't really the point 
the time to try and actually win that argument. That argument, you should have tried to make that argument probably 18 months, two years ago, and to still be I, I, signing up for more uncertainty at that point. I, yeah, and I think you know. there is an element of, you know, again, uh, when I looked at it Didn't the, work in the North, did it? No, 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 no. So, I mean, the smart money would say you've got to flip a coin that mm -hmm. says, if momentum is still pull, pulling the strings, mm -hmm. it's going to be Rebecca Long-Bailey, and if they're not, it's going to be Keir Starmer. But I'm not convinced that there couldn't be... I, I, I could see either Lisa... Jess or who was the other one I missed? I missed. So Emily? Oh no, she's dead in the water. She's she's she might as well have given up. So out of Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long Bailey, Lisa Nandy, Jess Phillips, and Emily Thornbury, you think Thor Thornbury's Thornbury's a dead duck. Okay. She she's not happening. The smart money says it's a it's a flip of a coin between well Starmer's way out in front, according to the opinion polls. Mm -hmm. But I think there is you know, it depends how much of the the membership are still clinging to the the dreams of the great socialist utopia, and if they are, then it's RBL all the way. I don't want to call her RBL because it is Rebecca Long Bailey, but it just seems to flow better. She has to change her name. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. She, so, local Labour hero Stephen Morgan has come out to support Keir Starmer, Starmer, hasn't he? And as you would expect, he would do. Keir Starmer was down in Portsmouth South, giving him a bit of a cheer on at that point. So. I think Morgs is, is understandably, and let's face it, if we know one thing about Morgs, he does have a, a knack of seeing which way the crowd is going and then sprinting to the front of the crowd shouting, follow me, follow me. So I, I, think, I couldn't possibly comment. No, no, you couldn't, but I could and I have. Um, so I, I, if his shillings on uh, Keir Starmer, you'd do... Uh, we do worse to back against him. Yeah, I I'm, well, I, I don't know that his support for Keir Starmer is universally supported um, within his within his team in Portsmouth. No, but. no, and, and again, we, we love the local Labour team. They are a colourful array of, of, of folks. And and to be fair, you know, there is... You've not got a. You're not going to search the interclack of fair very easily to very hard to find that they are perhaps sit slightly more left of centre than uh, than uh, than well very much left of centre of Keir Starmer. So I think they would be um, they would be banging the pan for Rebecca Long Bailey, and they'll get their vote. So you know it is one person. Oh, it's well, it's one person, one vote. And, but uh, yeah, so there is a uh, union, right? And uh, well, I don't even sure how that works anymore in their leadership elections. I'm not going to claim that it's a it's all down to Elaine McCluskey likes best. But smart money says it's going to be Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long Bailey, outside chance. If there's an element of we don't like A and we don't like B, there could be a chance for Jess Phillips or Nandy to sneak through. But I don't think so. I think we we well we shall. Sit with our popcorn and enjoy with relish. Okay, well, well, we'll treat it in the same way that we treated the Conservative leadership election, um, and um, we well, we should, we shall see that happen. But I I don't disagree with you that I think Emily Thornbury is probably the next person to. Yeah, to I don't go know whether this. this was this is one of these ones where they have a number of rounds of voting or it's single transferable bananas or. I know it's all done by. It's got uh, done by you know, apparently they're not in favour of PR, so. No. Um, who would be? First past the post. Oh, marvellous. Of course, of course, of course. Because you're quite happy for 
one vote in Oxfordshire to mean a different thing to one vote in Dunfermline. Absolutely. Okay, so that's an interesting one. Okay, so should we knock that one on the head? One for another pod. That's done. And we shall now cast our eye across local issues. And we're back. Final segment, local issues. Mm -hmm. Full council meeting tomorrow, as we record. On Tuesday. And uh, so Simon and I have just been through the list of all the noms. Nom, 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 nom. Phenomenon. Which is a notice of motion. Indeed. Where... And we've, we've been through all of them, some of them controversial, which we will not uh, cover, because I have a sneaking suspicion if you are going to the full council meeting, we probably won't hear this before then, but I am hoping you've taken snacks and beverages, because uh, I think there's going to be, there's plenty of meat on the bones for next, uh, for tomorrow's meet. Well, yeah, there, there, there's a lot there, So, um, but also it's the first council meeting for quite some time, because um, cause the and cross party they agreed not to have any because of the election period so yeah um so um i guess from you know from that makes sense so the one that we've de- we've decided to talk about one we've had a bit of a chat round yep. between ourselves about all of the others but we've decided to actually focus on one and, and that is the notice of motion about public fireways displays mm. which is um so the notice of motion as ian said is um basically councillors get to bring up at the council meeting that they want the council to uh, raise a motion and are basically effectively ask um, the, the council, the full council, to actually vote on whether that is. And so sometimes that might be asking the council to um, do a feasibility study on a particular thing or it might be um, asking them to make a statement on a particular thing. Um, so to say that this council is for or against X, Y, Z. So uh, this one's about public firework displays, as I say, and it's being proposed by Councillor Graham Heaney and seconded, seconded, seconded by Councillor Tom Coles. So it's from the Labour's Labour benches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so their motion is as follows: This council resolves to ask Cabinet to require all public firework displays within the local authority boundary to be advertised in advance of the event allowing residents to take precautions for their animals and vulnerable people. To actively promote a public awareness campaign about the impact of fireworks on animal welfare and vulnerable people, including precautions that can be taken to mitigate risks. To write to the UK government asking them to introduce legislation to limit the maximum noise level of fireworks to 90 decibels for those sold to the public for private displays, and to encourage local suppliers of fireworks to stock quieter fireworks for public display. So there's a, it's interesting. And Asks you, for some local and some national things. Well, and again, for me, I was I was very keen on this, having having um, heard it in its first reading. Obviously, I have a guide dog myself, who was tucked under the table very neatly. And to be fair, he is not entirely phased by fireworks; doesn't bother him one bit. But I know many other guide dog owners who really struggle. And I, you know, for me, I welcomed this and started doing the almost about time we did something until the, the key word in there is public um, because for me living in Cosham I am more than aware many weeks in advance when the King George V playing fields fireworks are on and my guess would be that most public displays owing to the fact that you want to attract members of the public would be reasonably well advertised yeah it, it, it seems to be a strange thing to require organisers of public displays whether those are organised by the council or someone else at the end of the day, yeah, you're right. They they want people to go, so people are going to know about it. And and most of them, to be fair, are recurring occurrences on, yeah. you know, X week of the 
you know, prior to um, prior to bonfire night or, or whatever. So, for example, the one nearest us is the one that takes place on King George V playing fields. Um, I think that happens all the time. Yeah, it, it is every year. And loud. Well, it is loud, but I think the other challenge is that of geography, isn't it? Mm. So, you know, a, a decent-sized firework display in Port Solent, we were here in Goshen. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far down onto the island the good people of Portsmouth. Um, get a full ear on from the King George V arrangements. Now, bear in mind that those aren't the worst, they're very loud, they're 45 minutes and they're done. Um, personally, I, I, you know, I almost wish the guys would have gone further with this because I'm not a great fan of banning anything, but I do struggle to see the validity of selling fireworks for private displays. I, I, yeah, I, so, um, I mean, personally, I, I know lots of people whose animals are really perturbed by it. Weirdly, my cats actually just sit and look out the window at the fireworks and, and seem to be thinking that that's just something pretty to look at. They don't seem to necessarily be so bothered, unless they're really happening quite close by, then they, then they seem to be a bit worried by it. But um, I, think it's the, I think you're right. I think it's, the, it's not the public displays that are the issue, because people know when they're going to happen. I mean, aside from... I think the council could quite easily say, actually, if we're going to have any public firework displays in the city, they either need to, they need to be, you could easily insist that they were actually silent, because that's another thing. If it's the noise that's the thing, yep. um, let, let's just actually make them silent. If what we want is actually a prettier, a prettier array of lights, then that's, and that's something. Although, with today's technology, as was it in Shanghai, they use loads of drones, or Sydney, they use loads of drones instead to actually yeah. get loads of displays in the sky. So probably a much more, um, environmentally sound way well, to, to have it but it's the private fireworks that the, it's the people letting them off for two, four two, weeks beho yeah, beforehand two, two o'clock in the morning yeah. on the 12th of November I am not expecting a series of loud bangs to go off just outside my house so and again it's a national issue I don't know whether that I would my pleasure thank you um, I don't know whether there is the opportunity <laughs> at a local bylaw level to to ban the sale of fireworks. I know that ultimately people say, oh, well, you can just drive along the motorway, they haven't. But for me, it's that element of, uh, if you make stuff more difficult to purchase, it's got to reduce it down, isn't it? In terms of, you know, I don't know why you buy fireworks these days. I don't know, probably most people buy them from their local supermarket, don't they? Because, uh, well, I don't, wasn't it Sainsbury's that stopped doing I'd say Sainsbury's. So, yeah. um, so I, I think the issue with imposing the restriction on retailers um, is that, to be honest, although the, the city is an island, it's really easy for people to get them from outside or to have them shipped in. We yeah. don't have we don't have custom checks at Hillsy, so um, mm. not yet. Anyway, no, don't don't start about Portsmouth Independence. Free port. Hmm. Free port. Free port. Yeah, you make Portsmouth a free port. Yeah, we can barely deal with the traffic of the, what we've got. But, mm. yes. So, um... Super low tax. Mm. Anyway, yeah, we digress. But, yeah. So, yeah, we digress slightly. So, I, I, personally, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think it actually goes far enough. I think actually something should be done to... Um, in order to deal with the uh, firework displays that the council actually has some hand in, either on council land or they're organised by the council. The council could take a lead on that and agree to basically make those either really quiet or indeed silent, um, or indeed actually create displays that aren't about 
paying to um, ignite an explosive device to send it up into the air to then actually land on some, you know, someone's garden or the street. Um, but we could, you know, from a national perspective, um, maybe there's actually a, you know, because if we change if we change the requirements in Portsmouth, um, it's really the private issue. It's the private fireworks to the sale or the use of the private fireworks, and that really probably requires a national legislation change rather than rather than something locally. Because as you say, if we, if we change the law for retailers, in, you know, if, if we could change the law for retailers in Portsmouth. Th- people would just go outside of the city to buy them and still set them off so we wouldn't kind of change it. So you need a kind of a national change. I think there's a movement for it, but whether this this motion is the most effective way to have a change? But I think we've got to, whilst we're quite often fairly unkind to the Labour Party on this podcast, um, I think we've probably at least got to take our hat off and doff our caps to them for bringing this item up onto the agenda to be kicked about, even perhaps if it's not as robust as we want it to be. Yeah, and, and like so many other things, I think actually, fundamentally, people agree that there are issues that need dealing with. As we've found in the past, the disagreement is about what is the right way to deal with it and how to how to solve it. We see that with climate, we see that with traffic, we see that, you know, with... Um, well, so many of the motions that are on the table, it's mm-hmm. like everyone agrees, uh, there's not one that we've looked at and said, oh, that's a bad thing, we wouldn't do that. It, it comes down to the fundamentals of how we're going to do it and I sully it with the price taggery of and how we're going to pay for it damn you indeed how dare you well it's the way of the world what you mean we're not just going to dig up a chest of money in the harbour or something no no I don't think you should start randomly using chest based references okay madam you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast We've been blue and yellow till we die. I'm still Ian Tiny Morris. And I am still Simon Sandsbury. Thank you. And we're not dead yet.